Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Hey, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, abundance. Julie Ann Cairns is here. She is the author of the best-selling Hay House book, The Abundance Code, How to Bust the Seven Money Myths for a Rich Life. Welcome, Julie Ann. Hi, how are you? Nice to be here, Jane. I'm great, and I'm so happy that you're here and we're talking about this. We're going to break down your book and some of the money myths. But first, tell everybody kind of what your current business model looks like. What is your day-to-day? How do you make money in your world? (laughs) Well, up until a few years ago, I had a business that taught people how to trade the stock market. And that was an eight-figure business, which I had run with my business partner. We started that in 2001. So we ran that through till we moved from Australia to New Zealand in 2018. So I wound that business down that was based in Australia and kind of semi-retired and set up an Airbnb business here in Queenstown, New Zealand, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, Yeah. So I'm in Queenstown right now. And uh, yeah, so we have a bunch of Airbnb properties here in Queenstown. That was my semi-retirement business, and I thought I was pretty much done with the rest of the business world. But one of my previous colleagues contacted me and said, hey, would you be interested in doing some business coaching? So now I'm also doing business coaching. And And I do mindset coaching as well. Oh, you know, that's our favorite subject over here at the Wealthy Speaker School, because without the mindset piece... I can teach them all the how-tos that you want, but if there's something blocking things mindset-wise, then we're not going to really get the job done. And so I am so happy to be talking to you about this today. I did not know that you lived in Queenstown, <laughs> and it's really cool. Here I am saying to you, where where from originally? I grew up in Canada. And then went to Australia at the age of 16 and did high school and university in Australia. And then I've been kind of bopping around. I spent five years in Japan, lived in Singapore for a while. Yeah, but mainly Australia and now New Zealand. Well, traveler. Well, I did my tour of a year when I was 25 years old. And I had my birthday in Australia sitting in Coogee Beach overlooking this rugby field and thinking, you know, if this is it for me, if this is the end of my life, I will have, I will be happy. It's 25. <laughs> You're winning. Ever since, watching, yeah. watching the rugby players and the giant thick thighs uh, across the street <laughs> for me playing. And I thought, you know, this is it. This is all I need. Anyway, I toured around for a year and that's what I knew that the pronunciation of cans can sometimes go different ways because of uh, the things they there. Okay. So let's talk about what it means to have an abundant mindset. Tell us what, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Well, let me just give you the quick backstory on how I got to considering mindset as a vital component. 
So as I said, I had a stock market business and uh, teaching people how to trade the stock market. And in 2008, nearly went bankrupt, the global financial crisis. And it was a real wake-up call for me. And at that time, like I was absolutely terrified, absolutely terrified being on the verge of bankruptcy, had about $3 million in debt that was due like immediately and no bank would refinance us because of the global financial crisis. So this was business debt. Anyhow, yeah, didn't really know what to do. And I recognized this feeling of terror in my stomach related to a feeling I had had when I was 11 years old and my parents had broken up. And so I'd grown up in Canada in a very prosperous family and like wealthy, wealthy family. We had our own airplanes, that kind of wealth. And when I was 11, my parents broke up. And then by the time I was 13, my dad had gone back to Australia. My mother had declared bankruptcy. And so I'd gone from this incredibly prosperous, wealthy life to us being assisted by welfare. And it was completely shoe on the other foot. And when I had this experience in 2008, I recognized, wow, the feeling I have right now in 2008 is the same as when I was a kid and my entire world fell apart. And, and I had just had this light bulb moment and it was, wow, ooh, actually, I've had a couple of gains and loss cycles in my life of like radical gain and loss, you know, up million or so dollars, down millions or so dollars. I wonder if this crazy gain and loss thing is my normal because of my childhood. I wonder if that's what I expect and believe is the way that the world goes. Mm -hmm. And so that aha moment made me go, "Uh uh-oh, I do not want to be on this roller coaster for the rest of my life. Even if I get out of this situation, I certainly don't want to be hitting another, just another, you know, massive up and down roller coaster ride in the future. So I have to figure out what is driving this? What beliefs have I got on board and how can I change them? And so that drove me into figuring out, you know, really diving into the subconscious, how the subconscious works, how do you reprogram beliefs? And, you know, I didn't have much time because I was (laughs) on the precipice of bankruptcy. So it was rather urgent. So I kind of worked on this stuff really fast. I'm like, I need a fast method. I can't, you know, I don't have 20 years to spend in therapy here. Okay. I need a fast method to sort this out as soon as possible. And so, yeah, I was given a book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, which was written in 1963. And I pretty much followed that as a recipe book and a bunch of other books that I then found. And within I was able to turn the business around with my business partner and not go bankrupt. And we went from being $3 million in debt in 2008 to the debt fully paid off and $3 million in cash in the bank by 2012. So within four years in an economy that was, you know, essentially a recession post the global financial crisis. So that was a massive turnaround and taught me the power of the subconscious. It is so powerful. It is so powerful. I saw time and time again in my own life and in clients' lives during COVID, how if you can stop and recognize that you have gone into a fear spiral, that you can start to make the shift. 
But I, if you don't identify it, then what happens? Do you just keep going? I mean, exactly. You have hit on the number one thing. And yeah. I really, there's three steps to belief change. The first is identify. Okay. The second is weaken. Whatever okay. the limiting belief is, weaken it. And the third is replace it with a more helpful belief. Okay. But the hardest step is identify. And, you know, you can spend your whole life not identifying what it is that's holding you back. And so this is where, why I, after coming through that experience and, you know, getting back on my feet, getting back to prosperity and abundance, dealing with the codes, the subconscious codes that had been holding me back and creating this crazy gain and loss cycle my entire life, I wanted to share what I had discovered with the world. And one of the things I realized in my reading was that there was a lot of, a lot of discussion about, well, what, how do you reprogram a belief according to those? Essentially, everything I read boiled down to those three steps I just described. It's identify, weaken, and replace. But what are they? And how do you identify them? What are the beliefs? So I wanted to contribute to that sort of field by identifying the top seven limiting beliefs about money, because that identification step would help people a lot. And I had a wonderful lab because my business was teaching people how to trade the stock market and they were dealing with their money beliefs every single day. You know, trading the financial markets is a way to push on your limiting beliefs over and over again. It is like 95% mindset. <laughs> yeah. I, my brother actually, he, he said that you really have to decide ahead of time, you know, where your limits are going to be. Yes. To them, because if you get involved in your emotionally in your trades, you're done for. So I think that's so, you know, I have like a very light, light version of what you talked about. When I was growing up, we lived on the street with all the doctors and lawyers. My dad was an engineer, but he got laid off from his job at age 55. And you could see him go into like a about a 10 year depression as a result of that. And I do have to wonder, I wouldn't say we went through major hardship, so definitely not the same situation as yours, but I have to wonder what kind of things that lodged into my brain about money. And about safety and financial security. Exactly, exactly. How much makes your... Okay, so we've got our three things, identify, awaken, and replace. And you just mentioned this weekend. Weekend. Not awaken. Oh. oh, identify, weaken, and replace. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, that's important. That's a yeah. good question. Now, before I think we can maybe have time to dive into three of the seven, but let's just talk about how big a role does opportunity play in a person's ability to access abundance. Yeah, it can play a big role. So you know, this is one of the criticisms that you we'll hear about, you know, abundance mindset and manifestation and all that sort of stuff is, you know, not everyone has the same opportunities. Right. And that is absolutely true. And not, don't want to debate that, right? Like, it's just like the way that, you know, men and women face different opportunities in the workplace, right? You know, women still do not have equal opportunity in the workplace. So I would call that environment that you're working in, the collective abundance. So, you know, 
people of color have a different collective abundance, you know, environment than white people of privilege do. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And at the same time, we can improve our access to abundance by working on our own internal stories and beliefs. Yeah. So they don't, a lot of times we're not talking about generational wealth or anything like that. A lot of people are really starting from, you know, the ground level and trying to work their way up. They've identified that they think they can have a better life for themselves but maybe don't have, you know, a lot of people around them to give a leg up. And I love that. So step number one is really to start doing that internal work. Do an inventory basically is step number one, pretty much, you know, and this is something that I take people through in my book. It's a very practical book. Chapter by chapter, we go over what are the top seven limiting beliefs about money? And at the end of each chapter is like a bunch of questions, reflection questions that help you get to the root of how that belief might have shown up in your life or whether it's shown up in your life. I, most people find that actually they have some version of all seven monuments going on in their, you know, source code, <laughs> in their subconscious code. And that's really why I called it the abundance code, because we are rewiring our subconscious code which is like, it's like a software update. It really is. It's like we're going through the code that we inherited from our parents, that they inherited from their parents. And let's be clear, this has calmed down the generations. Some of these beliefs have come from times of extreme scarcity, like the Great Depression, you know, and then compound on that many of our own experiences of, say, the 2008 recession and, you know, COVID and, all of the problems and issues in the world that we're facing now. So those can just trigger these beliefs that are already in there because they were coded from our grandparents and so on. So it is really important to get in there and go, what is my source code on, you know, in terms of money and abundance? And how can I change that source code? Because we cannot, cannot bring forth something that is contrary to our subconscious beliefs. We cannot bring forward something that is contrary to our subconscious beliefs. Yeah. So if you want something in your life, you're saying bring it forward. You want it. You're putting it out there. Yeah. You're saying what I want. You dream board it. Yeah. All the things. You do all the things. And if it's still not showing up, that is telling you, there is a belief on board that is blocking you or sabotaging you. Belief on board. I do not want that. Well, maybe I do want that bumper sticker if I can make it positive belief on board. You know, like the baby <laughs> on board one. Okay. So first of all, tell people where they need to go get this book. Because I think that the Abundance Code, How to Bust the Seven Money Myths for a Rich Life Now, is absolute must-have reading for all of our listeners. Where's the best place for them to buy it? Amazon, I guess. It's just, okay. you can visit, I have a site for the book called theabundancecodebook.com. And that gives you links of where you can buy it. And also, you know, you can sign up for a free video series if you want to know more about where, what these beliefs are and where they came from. Okay. 
I love it. All right. So we have time to go through three of your favorite myths that you want to bust. Tell bust. me what. <laughs> Tell favorite me what to bust. <laughs> favorite myth busters. Okay. What's number okay. one? Well, number one is really the myth that is the origin myth. You know, these seven money myths are kind of a system of beliefs, but it all starts with this first belief that we take on. And it is the belief that there is not enough. It is the belief in scarcity. There is not enough to go around. There is not enough for me. There is not enough for everyone. If I have more, someone has to have less, right? Not we can all have more. No, if I have more, someone has to have less. This is a limited system and there is essentially not enough. And so what that causes is if I want more and, you know, I want things, right? I want things in my life. If I want more to have more than my neighbor, then if I believe in scarcity, what that tells me is, okay, I'm in competition here. We are in competition. If I get a bigger piece of the pie, you're going to have less. It's probably going to make you annoyed. You're not going to like it. And I have to be defensive. I have to be competitive. It kicks up all kinds of emotions like envy, jealousy, comparisonitis, you know, all of that, all of that stuff springs out of there is not enough. Whereas if I have a belief, a fundamental belief, there is enough. There will always be enough. There's enough for me. There's enough for you. Then that allows a space for collaboration as opposed to competition for creativity, for, you know, thinking outside the box, instead of getting stuck in this, there's only one path to success. And, you know, I have to, you know, work hard at school and go to college and da, 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 da. Whereas abundance thinking allows us to open up and go, well, maybe there's some other ways. If there's plenty to go around, then there's plenty for me and my way, which might not be your way. Maybe there's some other way. I love that. So the myth is that kind of ingrained belief that a lot of us don't even know that is in there. But of course, you know, for me personally, I would say is in there somewhere for sure because I'm not financially exactly where I would like to be. So there's got to be something at the root of that, a belief in scarcity that I have not flipped the switch on yet for sure. So yeah. belief in scarcity is number one. Number two is one of my favorites. Go ahead and talk about that. Number two is the belief that time is money. And so if I want more money, the only way to get more money is to exchange more time, you know? Yeah. And that is limited inherently because there is only 24 hours in a day. So that's not a belief. That is a fact. <laughs> There's 24 hours in a day, right? We have our lifespan. We don't even know how long it is. So we do have our limited time on this earth. And so if I believe that time is money, then there is inherently a limit to how much money I can get because I only have so much time. So cracking the back of that belief says, well, actually, there are ways to get money that don't require my time. And what are they? What are the ways, you know, if I invest for example, you know, my current business is investment properties that I rent out on Airbnb. So last night I was safely tucked up in my bed and I had a bunch of money 
coming into my bank account because all my houses were full, right? So that's an example of I'm making money in my sleep. It is not a time for money equation. I love that so much. And I really was grateful having heard Dan Sullivan, who has been one of my mentors over time, talk about stop trading your speakers. Stop trading your time for money. You could only do so many speeches in a year. Let's figure out how we're going to create wealth outside of trading time for money. So maybe there's books, maybe there's you know, projects that you could be doing that are bigger than and not requiring just you and your time. Maybe there are membership sites and courses and, you know, there's a lot of ideas for us. Maybe there are investments that we can make outside of the industry that will allow us to stop trading our time for money. I think the time is money one is something that people may have locked down and they don't even recognize that they have. Yeah. Let's yeah. get that and start thinking about, you know, we really have grown our business through our school and our masterminds and things like that and books. Product sales has been huge for us and will continue to be huge for us as we launch another book next year. So I love that. Time is money. Let's talk about number three. So number three is actually not number three in the book, but it is one of my favorite ones because it is linked to this time is money concept. And it's the idea that more money, more problems, essentially. Money is easy come, easy easy go is another belief that people have. Okay. And that's in between, you know, this time is money and this next belief. The next belief I'm talking about is Money won't make me happy. It's going to bring me drama. It's going to bring me problems. And so you will probably have this if you think that time is money, because if you want to have more money, then you have to exchange more time and you lose the balance in your life. And so then it is more money, more problems, right? And money doesn't make me happy. That is something that you trigger when you don't deal with the time is money belief first. So more money, more problems. I've built it right into my 2023 motto, which is uh, business and life profitable and easy on my terms. I've got profitable in there and I've got easy in there because I want to say people who are just starting out in the business, please be aware of when you are overcomplicating your life. Because then that more money, more problems actually does become true. But I believe that there's a way, and you clearly have found the way, to earn a lot of money without a lot of problems. What Say more about that. And I love this Airbnb idea. I think that's so good. <laughs> well, I think the, the key to it first, as you know, this is my mantra. Deal with your subconscious beliefs first, because often people will ask, what is it that I should be doing differently? And that is the wrong question. The right question is, what is it that I should believe differently? Ooh, what is it that I should believe differently? I love it. So instead of what should I do differently, what should I believe differently? Because I can tell you the how, you know, I can tell you my how. 
you know, which is a lot to do with investment, um, not just in the property, but also the stock market. And the greatest investment I ever made was the investment in my mindset. And I would still be on. I knew how to make money. That was never my problem. Actually, it was never my problem. I was on a roller coaster of gain and loss, and I'm talking millions of dollars at a time, gain and loss, until I fixed my subconscious code. So good. And I remember another one of my mentors saying, you know, learning how to keep money is important. And that was a big <laughs> opener three years ago, actually, at the beginning of COVID. That was my goal was to have this comfort fund set aside so that I could ease that scarcity mindset that, you know, yeah. just came naturally to me. Yes. And I mean, here's another belief that plays into all that. Money is hard to make, which is really the similar belief to there is not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to work hard for your money. So this all ties in the time is money, money's hard to make, you have to work hard for your money. And even, you know, if you get money that you didn't work hard for, do you really deserve it? That's another little hidden belief in there about my inherent deservingness of wealth. So there's a lot to unpack. When you start to unpack it, there is a lot to unpack. And that is part of the reason I wanted to write the book to just help people unpack it. Because there are layers to this. It's so important. I wrote a story. I'm just in the middle of uh, getting ready to launch my sixth book. It's called The Wealthy Speaker 3.0. And I shared a story about imploding a job where I was making too much money and didn't think it, that I deserved it. You know, right. there was a people in this company and I was often the last one to leave at night. And I worked my time is money. But I... But it came so quickly. I went from, um, you know, I just didn't think I deserved it. And so what did I do? I blew it up and I yeah. started all again yeah. at kind of grow and had to build my way yeah. back up. It's really interesting to go backwards and notice what had happened when I didn't think I was deserving. There's got to be something in you about yeah. the level of deservability people why do we inherently start by thinking we deserve nothing? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the generational programming. And, you know, I think that that's something to understand is that essentially most of the people that you will meet have come from the working classes. I mean, the middle class is a new thing, right? The middle class is a new thing. Generationally, we came from most of us from working class roots. And those working class roots, if you weren't part of the aristocracy and the land and gentry, right, they have a whole different set of beliefs. Their beliefs right. are a whole other story, right? If you weren't part of that, then you inherited beliefs that were designed to keep you down, that were designed to have you accept your lot in life, that were designed to have you not question and rebel against the power structures that were in place to keep people poor, right? And so, you know, we've had this wonderful renaissance, I guess, you know, the middle class, and you could definitely argue that, you know, on a 
societal level, we're kind of going backwards and regressing back a little bit, maybe to that, you know, great wealth divide that existed in aristocratic times. So it's more important than ever that we revise our beliefs and not get caught again in that belief system that holds us down and holds us back. What do you say to people who say, well, it's easy for you, you, you know, had this or, totally. you know, this for a job or, you know, you've built this thing, whatever it might be. What's the answer to it's easy for you? The answer to it's easy for you is everyone comes in with their own set of starting conditions, you know, and not everyone starts in the same place. That is absolutely true. Okay. Not everyone starts with the same opportunities. However, everyone, this is the great leveler. Everyone can do their subconscious reprogramming work. Everyone can do that. And you can, if you do that, you can leapfrog (laughs) quite rapidly over people who had better starting conditions than you but didn't do their subconscious reprogramming work. So good. Okay. So let's go back to the three again. First, we need to identify that, hey, we've got something that's just not serving us very well. There's a thought, there's a mindset that needs to be busted. Then we need to weaken it. What's like a tip for weakening something negative that you might have as a belief? Yeah. Well, this is actually a process I run in the book, and I, I'm not overt about it in the book, but I'm running a subconscious reprogramming process while you read the book. So I'm basically taking you through these three steps. I help you identify what are the top seven limiting beliefs. And then in each chapter, I do the weakening for you. So one of my strengths is I have a background as an economic researcher. That was my training. You know, I spent nine years at university and I'm very well trained as a researcher. So I use my research skills and my, you know, skills in constructing an argument to argue the counter case against the belief. So we take Mm -hmm. each belief, you know, the belief, let's look at the belief that there is not not enough to go around. And I go, well, really? (laughs) Is that true? Here's this evidence. And here's that evidence. And here's some more evidence that there is enough to go around, that we live in an abundant world, that we have more access to abundance than ever before. So that's how we weaken as we, what the simplest way is argue the counter case. So that you, all you have to do is just crack the back of the belief, the absoluteness in which you hold the belief in your mind. We just crack the back of it that crack lets the light in and then the light does the rest. Oh, I so love that. then we put on top of that cracked belief a new belief that is positive, that supports our goals, that supports what we want, that is well constructed. And I go through how to do a well formed belief in the book because that's also important. You want to don't want to put a new limitation in place. You want your new belief to be unlimited and truly abundant. So then you put that new belief on top and you just work it in. Then with the crack in the prior belief, it can take. Now, so this is a really interesting point because this is something people say, well, I've I've tried vision boards and I've tried affirmations and I've tried all that stuff and it has not stuck. 
And the reason it has not stuck is because the prior belief was not correct before you've stuck the new stuff on top. So it's kind of like the analogy I give is like, okay, if you have a room and it has a moldy wall, you can make that moldy wall look better by just whacking some wallpaper on top of it, right? But if you did not clean the mold off before you did that, it will grow through. And soon enough, your wall will be moldy again. But if you clean the wall before you put the wallpaper on, you're good. So it's like a that. Little TSP will do the trick. And this is what uh, is required in terms of we need some TSP for the mind also in order to layer on some good positive beliefs. Oh, well, I want to say shout out to Victoria Labom. I think that's who introduced us, wasn't it? Yeah. She's amazing. I love Victoria. Yes. And I'm so glad that we met Julianne. And okay, I don't know about y'all who are listening, but I am not walking, but I am running to get this book. I need to do some homework. I need to do it right now. I'm going to load it up on my iPad and I'm going to do all the exercises in there. I'm super excited about this. Thank you for being with us here today. If people want to know more about the work that you're doing, let's go ahead and give that website again. So theabundancecodebook.com. Okay. Thank you so much. What's your favorite social media for people to connect with you on? I'm not a huge social media person. I'm actually much more of a fly under the radar, but you can connect with me on Instagram. I don't post very often. I'm really not a huge social media person. I should do more about that really, but wow, you know, oh, shit. I don't know. I don't have to. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay i is it under julianne cairns at on instagram yes or cairns is uh, c-a-i-r-n-s everybody yes julianne uh and with no e all right well thank you so much for being here i am just thrilled that we had this conversation about getting more abundance in your life i thank you for your time today and for those of you listening We'll see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next-step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.